the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Hello and welcome into Smooth Operators, the premier Formula One show. If you want to hear about all the ins and outs and dives and rips and all that other stuff about the Formula One world, my name is Noah Phillips. The man sitting to the right of your radio dial is the one and only Ben McClurkin. Griggs Blankenberg is not here as he is in Greenville, one of the many across this United States. We were talking about it. Uh, before the podcast, trying to figure out where this man is. There's one in every state, so it narrowed it down very little. But what we did determine was that he's going, we believe, to Greenville, Arkansas. Arkansas, okay. Well, we don't know why he would want to go to Arkansas. Well, it is Arkansas hate week here in Auburn. But um, we have a full show today, and the thing that we're going to do to start it off is talk about the most recent Grand Prix on the F1 calendar, the Brazilian Grand Prix, won by, uh, you already said it before I could, versus yep. Max Verstappen Norris came in second, and Alonso rounding out the podium. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about Max Verstappen's race. I think we can just hop into the great, great action that happened on the last lap between Alonzo and Perez. Yeah, that was uh, one of the best inci- instances of racing that we've had all season. Obviously, Brazil is a great track for passing, and we had a good number of that those overtakes being made both during the sprint and during the Grand Prix on Sunday. But the most exciting, the most attention-grabbing, the thing that woke me up after a 20-lap nap was the intense battle between Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso for that last podium spot. You kind of you kind of felt like Perez was going to take it and then Alonso snapped it up at the last second with a photo finish. I mean a photographic finish. A margin of a of a second. The rear tire of Alonso was level with the front tire of Perez. That was how close it was. It was it was impressive. It was awesome. Here's what a uh, a, a winning oh, no not a winning but third place on the podium is pretty good. Uh, for me, it was like 30 laps that I had the pressure from Checo, uh, who started the Grand Prix in P4. But when he passed me two laps to the end, I thought, okay, this is gone. The podium is not possible anymore. But he uh, braked a little bit late into turn one on that last lap and said, okay, and uh, Alonso said, okay. I go for it into turn four, which he got and almost gave it up there at the last second. It could have fooled me. It had to be a photo finish. Not really. I think people could see it on TV, but the photo really gave F1's marketing team to a real opportunity to market that uh, on Twitter and everything ahead of these next couple races that they got. Uh Alonzo added this is a phenomenal resort, uh, result for the team. Uh, he had retired from the previous two events in, Alonzo, in Austin and Mexico City. Added on, we've been struggling for a couple months already, especially the last two events with two retirements. So the podium is for them, for everybody in the factory. We keep fighting into that last lap. Yeah, and it was very well fought. Uh, hugs between the two after the race. Um, and Perez 
has expressed his his great respect for Alonso's driving and how Alonso outbrained him. Um, that's not actually what he said, but there, it was something along those lines. You know how it is with them and the press. Why do you keep having the uh, – your computer can't be that dirty. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Perez's comment, it was a great fight with Alonzo. I don't think with a lot of drivers you can uh, do these kinds of maneuvers. It was really tight from beginning to end. It was super enjoyable, to be, and to be honest, I did have a lot of fun in the end. He ended up getting the podium, but it is how the sport is. Mm-hmm. And it was very nice to see Perez having, again, a, another return to form. Um, lots of competitiveness from him throughout the weekend. He started out of position um, and probably wouldn't have had to have been fighting for that place, but it, at the very least, it was good to see that he – he was competing for podiums once again. Um, another another point of interest, not directly related um, to people fighting, but uh, keyword directly. Yeah, but Logan Sargent did a good job this weekend, finishing 11th. Um, obviously, didn't make up for the points that Alex lost, um, as we've come kind of to expect from him. Unfortunately, that's been his reputation this season up until he scored points. Uh, it was it was if Alex is out, that team's not going to get points. But them them retaining seventh, uh, I w- I want to say this, and I cannot express express this enough, is simply down to Alex Albon being incredible. And I wanted to say, like, even though he didn't finish this re- this weekend, throughout the season he has been responsible for them not being last. And props to him. <laughs> shout out shout out to Alex and Williams for that a boy <laughs> for doing a good job. Alex um, Houston's favorite driver. Yeah, of course. They share the name. Why would why would they not? Um so yeah, there's that. Um I wanted to say too, uh McLaren looked like the second fastest team throughout the weekend. Uh especially taking advantage of Mercedes' struggles with pace. I mean, that car was probably fifth or sixth fastest on the grid by Sunday. And then by, during the race, it just looked horrible for them. I mean, Lewis was having a terrible time. George was having an even worse time. They were getting absolutely swallowed up. I was about to say, George didn't even finish the race being one of yeah. six people that did not uh, finish the race on this past Sunday. But like yeah. you said, Mercedes, that W14 doesn't have it right now. No. That just isn't it right now. It, it, it may be down to – track or it may be down to the car's concept entirely being flawed as they have said throughout the season Um, but it's really concerning seeing how they made a lot of pace back and then losing it all so quickly Um, I think on average pace they were again like sixth fastest which is fairly concerning for them yeah and obviously Hamilton uh, finishing eighth like we said, George Russell not finishing it. Mercedes is a team that definitely needs some points, um, not necessarily for uh, to to win this season, but I think they need them for the momentum going into next year if they want to stay competitive because they have two really good drivers. They just have to have uh, pace and faith in the car that it can deliver them into those top fives that they desperately need. I don't think they stand a chance of winning next year, but I definitely think that Mercedes could be a team that's fighting for the second and thirds of the world. Yeah, I agree. Um, And who knows, next season they're coming out with a new car concept. I I wouldn't be shocked if 
they, uh, you know, completely changed, you know, their their performance again. I wouldn't be surprised to see them being second or third fastest or maybe even first. Well, we would just have to see until next year. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton thinks Brazil as a second home. It could not have been great for him. But to round out uh, the rest of the point scores, fifth, Aston Martin's number one driver, Lance Stroll. Number six, Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari. Number seven, uh, Pierre Gasly came in seventh. Number eight, Lewis Hamilton, like we said. Number nine, Yuki Tsunoda. Number 10, Ocon. Yep. A very weird kind of mix-up, as we've seen this season, with um, Sonoda and Ocon coming in ninth and 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, very weird that we didn't see the other McLaren inside that top 10 as well. Uh, Piastri finishing last of the finishing drivers in 14th. He did He did come out a lap down um, due to a – First lap collision, um, which actually caused the race to be red flagged. It restarted after um, Charles Leclerc had a retirement. Um, it was uh, it well. Was we tough. don't want to talk about Charles Leclerc retirement not, at not, all. We won't talk. I won't talk about it this segment. I'll spare you that. But as soon as <laughs> as soon as we get to uh, as soon as we get to segment number two, I'm gonna have to bring it up because uh, we have to don't. talk about that clash. That he caused, more or less. He caused. Well, it was it was an accordion effect. I'll say that. You don't you don't have to bring it up, dog. I, I already am hurting enough. Okay. Sorry. You don't have to. But uh, like we said, very interesting, interesting race down in Sao Paulo. Definitely a uh, Grand Prix that cult that could hold some weight going into next season. Yeah. Definitely, and as late season stuff gets gets uh wrapped up you kind of start to think about uh how the rest of your how the future is going to look as well um and how the rest of the season goes so just got to keep that in mind all the time uh looking over this article right here trying to find some quotes for the dear listener uh i was at the back so i saw quite early the smoke and the debris and let's say the chaos um was uh, Ricardo talking about the turn? It was turn one, right? Yeah, basically yeah. turn one. Turn one debris and crash that happened. Uh, he added on. Then I remember seeing a wheel, a tire, and I guess came off the rim, just kind of like uh, fr- frisbeeing through the air, and just started coming closer. And my instinct was to duck my head, and I didn't feel anything hit me. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, cool." Got to got to be careful. <laughs> Which is a great feeling to have when you're driving. A uh, race car, just uh, oh, I'm gonna duck my head, and if it doesn't hit me, that's that's cool. Yeah, fortunately, they have the halo uh, to protect them from head trauma, and they have helmets. Helmets help. Uh, but I will say they've got they all had a lot of debris flying at them. Um, that tire bouncing down the circuit was just. A, a very odd sight to behold, especially in the age of wheel tethers, just seeing a full tire just bouncing along and actually hitting uh, the wing of Daniel Ricardo was just very shocking. I, I was I was genuinely confused about what had happened at first. Um, it was it was a wild wild incident. Well, talking about a wild wild incident we're gonna have to take a wild 
wild PSA break. The second I can find this sound effect here, I can't find the mouse. There it is. But if you're more interested in hearing about that trash, we're going to talk more about it after the break here in segment two here on Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're back from a brief break. I'm your good friend, Ben McClurkin. Join alongside me is Noah Phillips, and we're keeping it smooth at the Smooth Operators, talking about some some turbulence in the very beginning of the Brazilian Grand Prix. On the first lap, following the retirement of Charles Leclerc because he threw the car into the barrier on the warm-up lap, um, I think you're there lying. was there was a small pile-up incident that took four cars out of the race. I guess if you want to exclude George Russell as downstream uh, a, a downstream casualty from that, then we will, but uh yes. We had we had a little bit of a incident um due to a Haas and Alpine um oh who else? There was uh, Piastri got caught up in it totally against his uh, against his decision making. There was also two Alpha Towers getting caught caught up in it. There's there's a whole lot going on there. So, Noah, what have you got? How do you feel about about said incident? Well, first of all, I don't appreciate you saying it was Charles Leclerc's fault because I think that I never you said so as nothing of a liar and a cheat and a card cheat and all that sort of stuff and i know i think you're a horse thief (laughs) a horse thief there you go um (laughs) but uh, that's just a crazy way to start a grand prix man wasn't it it was a crazy way got the got the juices flowing i mean for were they ever 20 laps of absolute nothing to follow but gave max verstappen the lead because i believe he was second right third third right and uh Started third and immediately overtook overtook everyone in his way on the first corner. I mean, I mean, you look through the quotes right here. This was uh, Albom's assessment of it. A bit of a racing incident. Yeah. So, I don't think it was necessarily anybody's fault. I, I know I was giving you heck for yeah. calling it Charles Leclerc's fault earlier, but the way Brazil was well, set Well, happened did start first, by the way, because Leclerc was gone. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, he started third in the sprint. That's right. And still, yeah. It it felt anyway. felt like they were attaching uh, out anvils to him to make him slower, so <laughs> it may be more uh, interesting. But with the way Brazil was set up, I'm surprised that kind of crash doesn't happen every time we go to the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, and I mean, it could have. It easily could have happened further up the grid, too. If you look, Lando Norris is... Up against the wall at the start. Um, I've got the, got the. You got the you got the highlights pulled up. I have the footage have the here footage. that I'm analyzing in order to give our listeners the best of my potential opinion. Your, um, your tech talks, as they yes, say. Yes, the tech talk. Not, so, not a TikTok. Tech no. Talks. So on either side, 
of the grid after Max Verstappen disappears into the distance. You have two Aston Martins who did start next to each other, but on either side of them, a Mercedes on the driver's right of Lance Stroll and a McLaren on the driver's left of Fernando Alonso. Both are up against the track limits on either side of the track. So there's about a three-car margin there for other cars to get through. Um, but then Norris gets ahead and is already past Alonso on the entry of turn one with Lewis Hamilton putting the squeeze on him. Now in the back here, what you have is somebody on the right side of the track, namely, who is that? Uh, Esteban Ocon, right? He got caught in the uh, incident, right? Or was it Gasly? Uh, Albon did yeah. get Yes, because yeah, uh, yeah. he was the one I just said, and uh, he actually continued to quote, he got sandwiched with uh, Esteban Ocon and yeah. Checo Perez. So Ocon was down the inside, right? But he started on the outside and switched to the inside. And as he comes across, Albon hits um, Magnussen or Hulkenberg. Albon hits the Haas because Albon gets boxed in by both of the Haases and basically collides into the rear separating his rear tire as I'm watching this. Albon's tire flies off and goes careering down the track. Um, actually, it looks like when those two... Yes, so we have Albon going down the outside of the first turn, which is a left-hand turn. So he's on the right-hand side of the track. There's a Haas immediately to his right, but Albon gets hit by the Haas in the rear, and that sends him to okay yes that sends him into the Haas or no that sends him yes that sends him into the Haas in front of him there's a lot of cars here that all look kind of similar um somehow Ricardo gets hit by debris um yeah so the the tire pops up and hits him in the wing wow okay there's there's a lot to decipher here and the commentary team did a much better job than I did and all of it all of it was a downstream effect of everybody basically starting in the same region and some people moving across to play defense and some people moving inside to attack and basically what happens is sometimes you'll get boxed in in Alex Albon's case it wasn't his fault but he got hit from behind sent into the car in front and he basically caused a domino effect of debris and chaos <laughs> it's the best way to put it hey. It, it was just weird. Honestly, it was just a way to kickstart the Grand Prix and get some people's juices flowing and yeah. a great start to the Grand Prix by the script writers. Yeah, I suppose that's what so. they were going for. And then the restart was just completely underwhelming. Um, I thought the exact same thing would happen again, you know, with everybody being hyper-aggressive. and I mean, they were, they were four wide at one point going into the entry of the corner. Um, the cars were, but... But it, it stayed very, very tame for yeah. most of the race. I guess people learned and said, ah, oh, we can't do that. We'll just kind of stay uh, tame for the next however many laps and wait for Alonzo and Perez to do their thing. Yes. And that was how the race started and the race ended with two instances of complete chaos, one controlled and one not controlled. One absolutely hectic. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. 
Um, it was another another thing that I noticed was just how bad the production was at this race, and nobody really talked about it. But all of the battles that we were trying to see, they kept getting cut away. It was very frustrating, um, at least in my opinion. You know, if you think that the the production was fine, you can feel free to debate me on that. But I I really did. Like, watching Max come across the finish line was great. But then watching the battle for third, I didn't get to see because they showed Norris driving across the finish line. I knew he'd come second. I, okay, that's fine. Show me show me the fight, right? It was like... The, they, did a, they did a very poor job highlighting all of the action. And there were some times where I was quite frustrated with the production. Well, I mean, I don't think you're the only person... Uh, that feels that way. I think there's been a ton of instances in these last couple of years where people just have not been happy with the F1's production. It, it, of course, it's outsourced mm-hmm. in a lot of these races like it is with Monaco, I believe. Yes. Brazil was another race where it was outsourced. Yes. It is delegated Paulo. there. It is delegated. Indeed. Um, and it just feels like whenever they do that, it isn't on the same level. No. As the other races are. And, of course, the most famous example that everyone knows is uh, Lance Stroll. <laughs> that's, that's Getting Stroll bombed. Getting Stroll bombed uh, yeah. by Aston Martin's number one driver. Um, and it just hasn't really been the essence of what is perfect, I think. No. no. And, of course, if you go look at an NASCAR broadcast, you go, oh, my gosh, this is like watching – the Mona Lisa being painted in real time. But, um, agreed. Agreed. Those trackside shots are epic. Obviously, you can't get that close to the wall in F1 all the time because there's, you know, like space and whatnot. <sighs> Whatever. The curb cameras are really cool. I don't know if you remember those. And they, they use them sometimes, but they'll have cameras physically placed in the curb of the F1 track. Like back in the day, yeah. that was a common occurrence. Yeah, I I was more talking about how NASCAR kind of treats its uh, presentation. It does highlight the action. It does, but it's a little bit more uh, comedy-esque. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as much. I mean, but I will say props to NASCAR for, I mean, you know, we're we're over a year um, on from the wall ride. But but the melon man. But they, they captured... They captured our boy going across, making a video game move in real time. I didn't have to see a replay of that. That was that was the thing I got to witness. And I wish that I could say the same about all of the overtaking being ma- being made during the race on Sunday in F1. Um, the, that's all right. The issue with that was the Melon Man's famous move happened in Martinsville. That's true. Martinsville is basically a paperclip, right? Size wise, so it's it's not hard to it's not it's hard not to hard see to pick that up. Yeah. You could have that, you know, on the right side of the camera. All somebody has to do is move it a little bit to the right. Yeah, yeah. But um, true, true. I don't know. I think it's good. I, I'm like you though. I think more attention needs to be put on different stuff. I just don't think uh, mm-hmm. when you outsource this stuff, I think the directors and stuff know exactly what they need to be highlighting. Yeah. And the other parts of it, like the uh, advertisements and the commentary 
and uh, the treating of it and the look of it, I think, is a lot better than NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they don't highlight the action or highlight the most important action sometimes it feels like. Yeah. I can agree with that. Uh, you can sometimes feel like you Stop agreeing with me, dog. We've got to produce great – you got to disagree. We can agree, We can disagree on other things, but TV production, we're always going to be on the same side on because we have good taste. We are men of taste and culture. I don't uh, – well, see, son, if you go look at a WWE broadcast, all right? They, they do a good job. They do do a good job. Look, man. The problem is they, they do a lot of camera cuts, which is what F1 needs to do. Just every five seconds, do a camera cut. No. <laughs> they need to do. What was frustrating about that race is that they weren't. They were. They were. They were camera cutting too fast. I, I needed to like see things going on, and it was jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. I'm like, dude, come on. They, there was there was no split screening. That is correct. There was no split screening, which was fine. Um, I'll tell you what, though, somebody. F1 did upload a uh, compilation of the onboards and the radios I from uh, the Perez Alonso last two laps, and it is beautiful. It, it is absolutely astonishing. And I was thinking to myself, well, this isn't how they did it in the real race, but this is this is how they should have done it. Yeah, it was incredible. I'm I'm a huge fan of of onboard action. I. Personally, sometimes if I want to fall asleep, I'll watch Ayrton Senna 1991 on board for the complete race. And I'll just, put you to sleep. Well, it it's not boring, but it's so the the engine noise is so soothing. A V10 screaming in your headphones is is just what I need to get into the zone. And then once I get into the zone, I get drowsy. And once I get drowsy, I fall asleep. Well, I'll close my eyes and pretend to find breaking points at Suzuka fun well ben like you said getting to the zone with those engine noises we are going to have to get into the zone with another psa break don't go anywhere folks you are listening to smooth operators on legal 91.1 fm get ready to roll the dice we're going to be talking about things in the next section don't go anywhere Musical Romance was released starring the one and only Elvis Presley. Ben, do you know what movie I am talking about? Has an hour, 25-minute runtime. It's the go-go guy and that bye-bye gal in the fun capital of the world. No. Viva Las Vegas. That's the movie I'm talking about. And in a couple weekends' time, it's the race that everyone... uh, that's following F1 is talking about. It's the one, the only Formula One Grand Prix. It'll be Sunday, uh, November 19th, the week of Thanksgiving, if you didn't know. Yep. And guess what, Ben? What's that? It may be going downhill in a hurry. Yeah. Well, we've seen a $1,000 drop in ticket prices since Max Verstappen has already won the world championship. 
Um, cost of entry is almost halved. Yeah, I, I got the actual uh, numbers right here. Uh, tickets are plummeting, according to Joe Polimbo on Twitter. I know I didn't get that name right. I'm sorry. But the uh, cheapest tickets on October 8th, Thursday, were $385. Friday, $825. Saturday, $1,645. And the current get-in price is now Thursday, 162 That's a 58% drop. Friday, 312 That's a 62% drop. And Saturday, $1,087. That is a 34% drop with hotel prices also dropping 58% as well. Yes, and also, it's it's not the track is not completed yet. Um, there will be there will be the launch party held at the Sphere, which is garnering a lot of hype. Um, they're going to incorporate the Sphere into a lot of things, and it's it's been very very expensive um, to get everything put together. Uh, understandably so. The paddock is still not done, but that's probably one of the last things to finish. And it reminds me, I was listening to a podcast um, the other day as I was driving back from doing a city planning thing in Mobile. Um, podcast I was listening to reminded me, it reminded me a little bit of the Korean Grand Prix um, that lasted only four years. It was, a, it was a traditional circuit, but it was rushed to be finished. Um, it's not nearly as bad since the streets are already there. Um, at, there was a picture of the uh, Korean Grand Prix circuit. And also, uh, n- another thing before I say, um, it's 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 close to an airport. It's close to everything. The Korean track was over four hours away from the nearest airport. So we don't, we don't have that issue in Las Vegas. They've got you covered um, with all of the travel that you will need. So no four-hour bus rides for you if you're going, which is something you can be excited about. But it, it does remind me a little bit of Korea because the track isn't done and it's very, very close to close to the start. I mean, we have a week, and they're they're finishing up. We do. The actual uh, pit wall is done. Uh, ben, I don't know if you saw no. a picture of it. Well, they it, did. They sure did. did it, well, it they is, lit it up. They, they lit it up. Yes. I mean, as far as the fine details go, I don't know. You know? Say that was uh, yesterday. Actually, is when they put that picture out. Okay. Uh, on F1 Las Vegas official Twitter. Um, actually, they started flying in three days ago from South America. The last F1 cargo landed at Harry Reid International last night. So they are getting ready to go over there in Las Vegas. There's even been some new liveries announced for it. Oh. Such as, I'm guessing, Red Bull? No. No. Ferrari. Oh, dear. We've put white on the car, brother. No, they have not. They have put white on the car. Did you see, have you not seen it, brother? I, dude, no. Do, are you not on Twitter, brother? I'm on Twitter right now. Are you looking it up? Are you going to find it? Yes. Here, I got you, brother. You, you know you know, I got you. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh. You have the phone upside down. Well, hello. <laughs> They've also produced new driver suits that have uh, wow. white. It's red with like white. Uh, I don't know what to call that. The trim, I guess. Yeah, red with white white trim. Um, I'm guessing it'll be across the sponsor band. Man, that's that. Can that stay, please? No, that's gorgeous. The car is red. 
been. That is no, no, no. C, C, C. It's not always been red. When back in the fifties? No. When? Uh, two years ago, when like half the thing was green for some reason. No. Nineteen seventy-six. The Ferrari. What happening in the Ferrari three twelve T, driven by the legendary Nicky Lauda. A wonderful, wonderful car. And it had 27 wins out of the 89 races that it entered uh, as the Ferrari um, 312. That's across several iterations. 61 podiums, 19 poles, and four constructors' championships with white on the car. I just don't believe. I know Wheel. You know Wheel, but get. It's gorgeous. Yeah, but okay, here's the thing. About it needs that, to though. stay. It, it should be all red. Uh, what? That's what I believe in. It, it is, be all, it is it bright be, red, but it's it should be also like a white. fire engine. All all of it should be red. No, sir. You're wrong. No, sir. See, See this is classic, great radio. classic winning Ferrari has white secondary. When Ferrari builds a dog of a car, they get rid of the white. Think about it. When Ferrari had the Marlboro, guess what? Major secondary color was white. They right. won. Four consecutive world championships. Correct. When Ferrari but I'd won. But I'd be willing to wager that was because when Ferrari of the sticker, won, not the color. No, no, no. That counts. Those are stickers on that Ferrari. Those are not secondary colors. When Ferrari won four constructors championships in a row. Not in a row. Sorry. From 1975 to 1976, they won a constructors championship. In 1977, they also won a constructors championship. In 1979, they also won a constructors championship. And guess what? Every single one of those years, they had white on the car. It needs to stay. It has to stay. When Ferrari builds a bad car, it's all red. Think about the 80s. They had a terrible time because it was all bright red. Okay. I make a good point. You I make may, a good point. May, and maybe you... maybe the purists will come at me. Maybe they will. I don't they, know. They will come. I'm coming at you right now. Are you a purist, though? I am, I am a complete purist. How long have you been a Ferrari fan? Uh, since I was born. Really? I actually came out of the womb. I was driving a Ferrari. Okay. Well, I, I am actually the reincarnation of Enzo Ferrari. I don't know if you knew that, Ben. I look more like him than you. Yeah, you got me there. Um, I'm not Italian, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but let's get back to all the <laughs> happenings in Las I did Vegas. A cel- I did a celebrity lookalike quiz, and I swear to you, I swear to you, I got Enzo Ferrari as a result. I was like, I don't know if I should be happy or insulted. You need to ask your girlfriend if she likes Enzo Ferrari. I, I don't. She says. I don't think I want to fill her in on that information. She um, might try to get a Ferrari out of me. <laughs> all might. jokes. You should. All jokes that's, aside. That's your job. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, all jokes aside, though, I think the new Ferrari looks lovely. You want to know else? What's up? Looks absolutely lovely. Who? During the weekend of the. Uh, Formula One Grand Prix in Las Vegas. The Bellagio will offer cocktails served not in just regular glasses, but instead shoes. They are opening up a new shoey bar in the Fountain Courtyard there in the Bellagio. Oh, that sounds horrible. I don't. I just don't think you're behind, dude. It looks. You want it, a cocktail out of a yes of a shoe? Yes, it's got an MG. That's like the ultimate thing to bring back with you bro it's got an mgm grand logo on the side and that is it looks so awesome that is disturbing i won't lie to you i don't even know if they're like making it like a specialty cocktail or you can just put whatever you want in there like put a like 
put a pina colada in there, dude? Tell me. That's disturbing. Ah. I don't I, I don't like the thought of um the thought of having to drink my drink out of a shoe. Whatever whatever beverage is in that shoe, it will not be tasty to me. I, I just don't think you're thinking. All right, man, that'd be awesome. It's not a real shoe. It's just a glass they've made to look like a shoe. Oh, my bad. And they put a little, like, umbrella in there. It still resembles a shoe very distinctly, and that means I'm going to be thinking about drinking whatever it is Have you never eat? hypothetically would drink out of out of a shoe. I've never done a shoey. I might do a boot. If I, were to, if I were to do anything, it'd be a cowboy boot. That's basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, one last note here. Uh, we talked about the hotel fees or the hotel prices going down a little bit. Uh, it seems that this is a problem not just over the Formula One weekend right now. The Bellagio is currently selling um, prices of 25 and 23 over the weeks of December that are not Christmas. Or excuse me, yes, it's uh, just the week before where you really have to pay a lot of money. Uh, basically, if you want to stay in the Bellagio during the month of December, it's going to be $25 plus resorts fee. So maybe these hotel prices dropping and these ticket prices could be a problem with Vegas just in general. Instead of with the F1 circus coming to town, it could be just people not wanting to go to the fun capital world, Las Vegas. Hmm. I think, let me mold this over. What do you think about this? Mold. Why? Honestly, that's just a good, good enough question that I feel like you have an answer to it. Me? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Before I, before I state my opinion, I, I want to know if I disagree with what you're leading I, me into. I honestly feel that if people thought, or excuse me, the local government in Las Vegas thought that people were going to travel to Vegas just for Formula One, I don't think that was the correct ideal. Really? And I think the tourism industry right now to Las Vegas is kind of struggling a bit because of the uh, hackers that they had in the past couple uh, months, it feels like. I can't remember if it was a month or week or what, yeah. whenever it was when the MGM got attacked. And they're still recovering for, uh, I mean, from it. That and also the general decline of the entertainment that Las Vegas offers. Yes, that too. I think a lot of people, if they want to do betting on sports, they'll do it on their phone. Um, they won't go to Vegas anymore to bet on games. And if they want to... You know the rise of the rise of digital gambling has also contributed a lot to the struggles that Las Vegas has faced, and I think it would be a good idea to benefit, to to basically make it Monaco Junior. You know, like, but but this is modern Monaco. I think that's what they're shooting for, and and I think that the local authorities have made great efforts to make it appeal to the locals as well. But all they've done there is inconvenience them. They have, and we're sorry, folks. We're going to have to inconvenience you as we go to another PSA break. Hang on for just two more minutes, and we'll be back to talk about all, uh, or in this show, really, with one more 15-minute segment. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM.
And we are back for our final chunk, the last leg, the closing segment of the show. I'm your good friend, Ben. If you don't already know, join with me, Noah Phillips. And guys, it's it's been a great day. It's been a good day for podcast. Um, nice and rainy outside, nice and cozy. And we get you get to bundle up with us for one more segment where we will be talking about another chilly location. Surprisingly, it's in the middle of the desert. It's Las Vegas. That is cor- that is correct. You you are correct. It is in a desert. And if you've seen the movie Casino, there's a lot of bodies uh, buried out there in the desert. But what? As we're talking about, sorry to drop that on you, Ben. Uh, the F1 race in Las Vegas has potential to be the coldest race in Formula One's history, dropping below five degrees Celsius. Which, for those of you who speak Eagle, um, it's 47 degrees Fahrenheit. Speak Eagle. Um, the next coldest Grand Prix would have been the 1978 Canadian Grand Prix had a temperature of 5 degrees Celsius or 41 degrees Eagle. Uh, that was during that race. So, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for absolutely nobody being able to turn their tires at all. I'm game. being cold. I'm I'm down. Understeer is going to be phenomenal. I'm down for 10 people not being able to finish the race because they clicked brake and just instantly went straight into the Bellagio. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to see the fountain freeze over. <laughs> that, that Obviously, <laughs> that won't happen. It has to be below, um, well below 32 degrees Fahrenheit for moving water to be frozen. I believe it has to be zero Fahrenheit, which would be, what, like minus 40 degrees Celsius. I, I'm not doing the conversion. I'm a little bit lazy on that. But that said, it's it's very feasible to see the weather, again, being a factor. Um, you know, last week we saw a giant thunderstorm in qualifying, which was really cool seeing Max Verstappen do a lap that was basically in the dark. Um, that got him thir- third place in the sprint, which was, I mean, that was just epic action. That was super cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good to, it's good to see some interesting weather, um, some interesting conditions. I'm guessing that if they do the same, um, the same race schedule if Las Vegas again falls in the middle of November and it again happens to be at night. They'll probably keep the tire blankets for that race because, as you know, they're increasing the restriction on tire warming. So that could be that could definitely be a factor. Yeah, I think it's going to be the factor. Not only will it be a new track, but it'll be can you get your tires to work? in these cold, cold conditions. That and will the drivers be distracted by all that Las Vegas has to offer? (laughs) No, (laughs) because they're professional drivers. I sure hope they're not. Uh, This was the 80s. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about the habits of any of the drivers. I'm so glad that Kimi Raikkonen's not here. Uh, That's all I will say. There's very convenient access to several locations um around around the around the track and so if any if Kimmy happens to retire like he did in Monaco I'm sure he'd take a trip to the Bellagio 
You think you'd really go to the Bellagio? I have not, no not, idea. Not the MGM Grand or the I Luxor? Dude, I don't know. I, I just named know. the most famous one. I need to tell you the circus circus, big man. Do it. Oh, we, we're going to go. After after the show, we got five more minutes. I'm hungry me if you're paying. Me and you. We can go, I'll go if you're paying. We can go to the peanut festival, big dog. Hey, I'm going to the peanut festival this weekend. Oh, you are? This is it. Last weekend. Um, for those of you who do not know, Noah and I are Ugh. from the same region in Alabama, and wire grinds. We are we are home to the National Peanut Festival. Um, and what we do is we celebrate the peanut harvest by having an absolutely massive fair. It it takes up an entire week. Um, and some people go to class, some people don't. Uh, but it's it's very very. Very cool. There's a 30-foot-tall ride called Speed where you just kind of go in a circle. Um, but it's 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 a lot of fun. It is fun. Um, I know we're going to have fun with it. You know who's not going to have fun? No, who? Griggs Blankenberg, as we have figured out where he is going, Greenville, South Carolina. Oh. We were close. Why? We, we don't know, man. We don't ask Griggs enough questions. We should have known this. We should have known where this man was going, what he was doing, and who he was doing it with. He doesn't tell us. Not my business. Um, in in other business news, it is it has been confirmed that, I mean, not not that it wasn't, but Perez will be staying on with Red Bull next year, um, according to Christian Horner. He is absolutely confident and clear that Checo will be our driver next year, quoted by Autosport. So. There you go. That's about what everyone expected. Absolutely dropping a news bomb at the end of this podcast. Yes, and with that bombshell, it's time to end. It is indeed time to end. We are going to have to wish you an adieu today. We hope you had a fun time with us. My name's been Noah Phillips. The man to my right has been the one and only Ben McClurk. And Griggs Blankenberg would also like to wish you a merry rest of your week. And get ready, folks, as next week we'll have to review and get ready for Las Vegas. This has been the Smooth Operators Podcast Last Talk Show right here on Legal 91.1 FM. Thank you for joining us. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.